ACH Quest. And welcome back to another episode of VH Quest. What, what, what? VH Quest. Hello, everybody. Hello, all the listeners. Hello, my friends. We got Mike and Nick here. Yo. Today, we're, we have uh, back with us to finish up some of the games and uh, things that we weren't able to do. Last episode, we had Andrew Peru. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? hope uh, all you listeners aren't tired of my voice yet. But yeah, I just got to finish up since we didn't quite get to my last game. And I hope that it will be worth the wait, worth, uh, worth your all's while. I'm pretty excited about it. And that was a big <laughs> reason why I wanted to, to go come back to all of this. But Mike okay. and Nick, Mike, how you doing? What are you been up to? Uh, things have been good uh, over here in the 509. Just getting back to it, man. Things are reopening. Been going thrifting more. Um, been playing music. Oh, my God. Being able to play live music and make contact with people in a mosh pit is <laughs> Whoa. fucking, dude. It, it still is, like, sketchy, but I don't care. Like, Well, I think everybody kind of, you know doesn't i think everybody's just fed up like we just want to punch each other so it feels good yeah feels good so yeah getting back to the music that side of things um yeah hell yeah how about you nick oh i'm I'm doing good just making a lot of plans for the rest of the year like um i have a trip planned for the east coast later in the fall and i've just been collecting andrew what have you been up to yeah i've been uh enjoying the summer you know since we've only got about a month and a half of summer nowadays. Uh, I went out to like a cabin. You know, I, I have previous experiences with cabins in the woods uh, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I re- re- uh, regaled my tales of the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street one time as a child. Anyway, these were good memories. I did actually traumatize my girlfriend this time, though, with a scary movie in A Cabin in the Woods. I showed her Evil Dead for the first time, and she... You know, she's, I haven't scared her yet, but she was like, okay, that's actually the, the worst one yet. Um, the first one, of course. And so we know that one's <laughs> a little less funny than the follow-ups. Yeah. But, uh, great, great setting to see it too. Yeah. I think it was, she said it was the, it was the demented demonicness of it. Like, you know, the laughing, um, kind of like, like deadites, I guess, um, were really, yeah. really kind of set her off. So that was fun. Um, I told her the next one isn't going to be as scary, so hopefully she won't you know, completely not watch any more Evil Dead because there's so much more to see. But, uh, I mean, for me, the first one is, uh, I would like, I'll, I'll just start this right off with some kind of movie talk. This is, uh, what's your guys' favorite Evil Dead? Uh, mine is the first one. I know it's unpopular. A lot of people go with the second one. Yeah, I'm going to say, for me, it was definitely Evil Dead 2. Uh, okay. and, and I don't even really classify, like, Army of Darkness no, so much as, like, a horror movie. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that one got me, I think, because my my dad knew that one for when we were when we were kids, we always I always wanted to rent one. But he was like, right. uh, I'm just going to throw you two because it's, uh, you know, has that undertone of humor. So did you I know think, did you know about one? Like, had he heard about it or was it just you saw the like the VHS cases and you're like, this is the yeah, one I want? I, or? I knew about it. And for whatever reason, my dad, I think my dad just was like, nah, that one sucks. Like he just said that all the time. Uh, oh yeah. And then uh, I think I ended up actually watching one when I was like 15 or something. 
like 14 or 15 way later. Cause I just was mm-hmm. like, you know, I praised number two and number one has amazing stop motion, but, um, yeah, I'm just a sucker for two. Cause I grew up with that one. It's so good. I mean, they're all great. And mm-hmm. oh, sorry, I'll let you guys finish any, uh, Nick and Ben. I think, uh, I would say number one, be, just because the comedic aspects aren't there and because it's just like the, the first product that was made because there's so much that it's based on like Jason and the Argonauts. My, my issue with two was that I wasn't a fan of the comedy. Um, mm-hmm. not that, it, not that I didn't like it, but I like watched them back to back. And so watching one and then watching two, one being like, Oh, this is like a cool, like gore fest, you know, at the end, like, or like a, not necessarily a gore fest, but you know, like just for the de- like the demons and like the in the cabin at the end, and I just really loved that. And then two, I was like, I just went immediately into two, and I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Plus, like the the like kind of retconning almost, but uh, I was like, this is just weird. I think I was just like, it was just weird, very strange to me. Um, but the I was like total change of pace. The what? Oh, the comedy was just like too much of a change of pace for you. Yeah, it was super stark, like one to the other. Yeah, Um, yeah, totally. But then I saw the remake when I I got like pre-screen tickets when I was in school, so I went to film school. And I think it was the fact that that movie did like actually scare me like pretty bad in the theaters. And I've only watched it like twice maybe, once in the theaters and once with like my roommate. And I did really like it personally. Depending on the mood that I'm in, I would watch the remake over one depend like you know depending on how i'm feeling okay Has that, have you guys watched the um the tv show i watched the first no. season and a select episode from the second season which was fucking bad shit crazy um maybe you guys have the same thing where it's just like it's so far removed from like the original i mean i know army of darkness was was far removed as it is but like it just I don't know, like our ideas and who Ash Williams was and all that. And then they kind of, I just remember being like, God, this guy's not as, as likable of a dick as a, as he was in the movies, but I don't know. I, I need to give them a chance. I, I have enjoyed them not as much as the originals, but enjoyed them all the same. Dude, I think my favorite is the musical, bro. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. Did I, I did see that. I did. Have you seen that? I never know. I actually have not seen yeah. it. I just know it oh. exists. It was I, it was pretty funny. I have an Evil Dead two hoodie, and I remember like being downtown uh, when I lived in Bellingham, and some all these people coming up to me in a bunch of like fake blood, like covered in fake blood, and they were like, "Dude, it was the best, wasn't it?" And I was just like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" They're like, "Dude, <laughs> the musical," and I was like, "What musical?" And they're like, "Evil Dead." <laughs> it was just. It was just a, a You're like, what? Be, yeah, like to be like a huge fan of those movies, but then to have all these people be like, dude, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah, and they did have a splatter zone. They totally had a warning. And like when you got your tickets, they said like, you know, wear shirts that like you don't care about because you're going to get splattered with blood. Um, it's kind of a gimmick. I mean, they, I, we didn't, they sort of like, they have to do it because they say they're going to do it. And, um but it was fun i will say it was a good time you know it was exactly what you expect it to be um so let's see just to get things straight here we have uh nick says the original ben you say the uh the remake you went with the remake for yours and mike you got two two yeah okay yeah and i'll just say why it's kind of crazy none of us oh wait 
So no one picked Army of Darkness. I guess that's not a big surprise. But um, <laughs> shout out to Army of Darkness, though, because it was the first time. It was the first one that I saw, and it was like one of those ones kind of like, um, I think one of you guys said that you weren't supposed to be watching a movie. You were like pretending to be asleep. Was that Ben or Ben? Was yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like how I saw Army of Darkness. It was just like I was supposed to be asleep, but I snuck downstairs and my cousin who was staying with the time he was in high school, I was in like fifth grade. Um, he was had his friends over and they were watching Army of Darkness on the TV. And I remember just sitting in the hallway and kind of just like watching the whole thing. And uh, later I realized that there was a first, there was like there was a trilogy and that was the third one. And so Army of Darkness blew my mind, but I'm glad that I saw that one first because it would have, you know, as I did become such a kind of fan of effects and horror, like it, it felt like strong with that when I saw it, but after seeing the other two, it feels so tame. But uh, I remember for Halloween, um, a couple years later, I, I told my friends, I was like, we have to watch this trilogy. I haven't seen it yet. We went to the Hollywood video and got number one. And I remember my friend was so my, my friend was kind of a weenie. Like it was like my, my two best friends from the neighborhood. And um, he was just like, oh, I think I, I need to go home. Like, I need to go hang out with my mom, like, right before we started it, because he was so scared. But then I remember we watched it, and it was just, um, it was my favorite horror movie for a long time. Maybe it's definitely a contestant for number one in my all-time, but uh, just because of how classy it is, I think it's everyone's kind of, not classy, but classic. Um, and this, yeah, like you were saying, the gore, that like, no holds barred. Like, it was like where other other movies that I had watched up until that point where they kind of, like, look away while you just see someone swing an axe at someone or you just see something happening but you see their expression the blood splatter on their face this movie actually i remember as a kid i was like they just show it though they just i was explaining it to my dad i was like they just showed it like you know like they don't look away um and that was i think what just got it all started for me um all that bodily dismemberment man it's the only way that like fucking unknowing like ominous like oh yeah that shit like more so than seeing the deadites, it was just like, just this, this tension and release that fucked with you. Like, even two, like, all of them, like, just had this fucking underlining, like, fucking, yeah, that unknowing, that stress when you're yeah. a kid where it's like, I can't not pull the covers over my head because this shit's, like, about to get me. <laughs> totally. And I didn't quite make the connect, but what did you guys think in two when, like, it breaks you actually get to see it it's that big face thing right isn't that what that is like yeah it's like a huge worm okay oh yeah, yeah. in the door he sticks his chance on his eye or whatever like mm-hmm. uh, like the kind of final bad dead eye of evil dead 2 i guess um anyway so glad we took a minute for to appreciate evil dead uh and i will say <laughs> <laughs> uh it's crazy. I have the Anchor Bay like kind of special edition of uh, Army of Darkness, and it has a totally uh, uh, all these deleted scenes in it, and it's the different ending. It doesn't even. It totally vetoes the ending of like the the like kind of widely circulated um, normal VHS where he like goes back to his time and like he goes back to Smart and then like he says like Hail to the King Baby at the end or whatever. That's the ending that everyone knows. But then I'm sure you guys are familiar with the alternate ending, right? Isn't that the uh, d- does, isn't there like a the bat fucking gargoyle thing like breaks through like Smart or some shit? Yeah, no, he doesn't. I forgot about this. No, no, no. The alternate ending is he's uh, the wizard or whatever. The guy gives him the the time travel drops, or I guess the the, the sleep drops. Where he's supposed to sleep all through time, and he's you know Ben knows. Yeah, he's yeah, supposed to take. 
like seven drops and he takes like <laughs> he's counting it and then like it drops twice on one of his counts but he doesn't notice it so he goes one too many drops and he wakes up in the future and it's like the post-apocalypse and he's like i slept too long like and it's just oh, shit and there's oh, like yeah yeah. I, yeah oh man i remember that now which i thought was incredible like for a setup for like a a fourth one you know like ash in the future like in the post-apocalypse would have been amazing i don't like, know why that never happened but evil dead 20 or evil dead yeah 20 <laughs> <laughs> like replicant it could be he could get really a uh, really scott and sam Raimi could team up and do like a blade runner slash evil dead <laughs> like deckard and ash just side to side <laughs> that would be badass okay well, you guys asked me what I'm up to. I said I watched Evil Dead and this whole thing unfolded. But um, I've also been collecting um, not quite VHSs, but old media nonetheless. Um, it all happened because I guess I realized that Quentin Tarantino wrote the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and released it re- recently, which I was like, that's interesting. It's his first book, and it's a novelization of his own most recent film. And I was like, okay, well, I think Tarantino would be a good writer because he writes good dialogue let's give it a whirl. And so I didn't realize it was like the first week it had come out, but I went to um, Powell's there's Powell's has multiple locations down here. So it's not the big Powell's that everyone knows downtown. It was like a subsidiary Powell's. Um, but I went there cause um, it was, I just didn't feel like dealing with the busyness of the other one and I got it and I ended up looking around and I found like an old pulpy science fi- sci-fi like kind of novel. And then it opened the floodgates. I just started collecting them a couple of vintage shops i went to um these are like kind of pulpy sci-fi from the 50s with like really cool covers and stuff like that and i have them right here like uh, let me just i could pick out a few um like okay one of them star wars one okay just kind of okay this is good so just titles like the coming of the strangers um a wrestling in the night and then death horrible and sudden so that's one of them and here's the cover of that like Fuck yeah. Yeah. Just really and they smell so good. Um just like ancient <laughs> old books. So, <laughs> let me just see when this one came out. Uh nineteen sixty one for that one. Anyway, Shock Three, which is a cool cover. Um kind of looks like a got a Ooh. Twilight Zone vibe to it. Richard Matheson, yeah. who he speaking of Twilight Zone, he did the Monster on the Wing of the Plane. He wrote that episode. Um which that is one of the stories in this book. Terror at 20,000 feet or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's, like the, so, that's, like fam- that's like a big famous one. There's so many. That one man. fucked me up as a kid. Dude, Holy I, shit. Yeah. I mean, oh, somehow like the bad, the, the, the scary goblin is like laughable, but also terrifying at the yeah. same time. Yeah. yeah. So, William Shatner is the, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. <laughs> and shout out to John Lithgow who plays that guy in the like remake or for the movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, that was a crazy tragedy that happened um, in that movie where the helicopter landed on the guy and killed the actual actor and two child actors. Um, yeah. In the first sequence in the first story. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy because they still, they kept the whole scene in the movie, but like there's a whole subplot where the whole, which he kind of, where he meets the kids and anyway, there's a big lawsuit because those kids weren't um, working legally. They were like, Asian immigrants or something like that are being paid under the table and it became a huge fucking deal. And the director, John Landis, who did American World from London. And I think that's kind of why he stopped doing horror after that, which 
But I read that somewhere. Actually, yeah, I think you're right. I think he just didn't have the stomach for it after that, you know, yeah. um, which is really sad because come on, if we could have gotten a couple more movies of the caliber of like Thriller and An American Werewolf in London. Also, maybe it, one of the best like horror comedy combos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of horror comedy, yeah. Um, okay, other. I, I got a Star Wars one, Han Solo and the Edge and the Lost Legacy. And that one's got a really sick, like, skull, skull on it, with, like an army of robots. And it's got, you know, Han and Chewie with their blasters. Is that from the 80s? Yeah, it kind of came around the same at, at Star's End, like that whole Han Solo at Star's End, that whole kind of serious thing. This one came out in. Uh, page. Oh, here we go. 1980, exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, you get the idea. I got a whole stack here I could go on, but I, I don't want to bore you guys. Um, but uh, it's a fun thing. I'll, I'll tell you how, if they're actually worthwhile once I read them, I, I'm still halfway through uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I will say that, that book is very interesting, especially if you're a fan of the movie. It, like, I'm like about halfway through it. And honest, honestly, only like a handful of paragraphs or pages have been actually scenes from the movie. The rest of it is like, um, goes into detail on the characters like before the movie, after the movie, very Tarantino we like all over the place. But um it's a it's a it's a good read so so far. So Yeah, that was gonna be my question was how much of the book mirrors the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he already talks about um he talked about the end, the climax of the movie like kind of early on in the book, which is interesting. And then I was like, okay, so that's not so what's the climax of the book gonna be? You know, um so I'm very curious to see how that pans out. Yeah, cool. That's cool. I recommend it. Um, I'm not a big reader, but hopefully I, I bought all these books and I'm really hoping I actually just it catches on. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, I can, I show you one, can I show you one book that I got recently? Yeah. Um, this is, it's called Baphomet's Meteor. Um, that's cool. It's an old pulpy kind of like sci-fi fantasy book. It's about uh, parallel dimensions in which history turned out differently. And um, I'm really excited to read it. It's obviously, it's very short. It's like <laughs> oh, cool. it's like a quarter of an inch thick, but yeah, so to read it. It's always nice because they almost speak in a totally different kind of language back then. Like just everything is more, I don't know, just listen to like Rod Serling mm-hmm. talk from like, you know, the Twilight yeah. Zone. And it's just the like, vocabulary it's just so more, is way broader. Like, and it's more conducive to like storytelling. Yeah. No yes. way. I don't know. Mike, you were saying something. Oh yeah. yeah, I just uh HP Lovecraft, they uh one of the bookstores that I go to here in Spokane, they just did a bunch of represses or like reprints of all of his books, but they still printed them with the original like awesome pulp artwork from the front awesome. cover. That's so and weird. I guess it, I was gonna say, I mean, we've had really in-depth conversations about this with tapes too, or like you know, if any fucking any movie that just has like a cool cover, I don't even especially with movies, it's just yeah. Like yoink, <laughs> you know, snag that shit. You know, it's it, a total good, parallel, yeah. Universe, books yeah. and tapes, like that. Yeah, just good. Good artwork is always gonna be. Uh, I don't know. It's always gonna be bought. I, like regardless, and I do that with the same with with those little novels too. Where you're like, oh man, this is just the coolest fucking cover of some like spider demon like ripping a face <laughs> off a woman yeah. screaming. <laughs> I need so that. <laughs> like a, a lot of points the like a movie specifically you know in like the 70s and 80s and kind of 90s but like a movie would come out 
and then you had to have authors that would kind of sit and like wait and then try to like grip, like attach themselves to that movie to then make a novelization of it. And that kind of, I feel like that happened a lot with uh, like bigger, like medium to bigger releases where you yeah. have a lot of like, and it wasn't really fan fiction. It was just like a lot of people that were kind of sitting and waiting. And then when a movie would come out, you know, they, they would, they put the option or the bid, you know, onto that film to make a novelization of it. That was a big thing. They have a lot of those older like novelizations of a lot of like older horror or uh, like adventure, Mm -hmm. like adventure movies and stuff too. My friend John Boy really was really into novelizations. Uh, and he was reading the one of his favorite movies is Conan, and he was reading the the Conan novel. And and this was a couple, this was a while back, but he was telling me that, uh, if I remember correctly, that they kind of delved into the, a lot of the characters more in the book. And I think that's yeah. kind of cool is that you, they like, if you're a fan of the movie and you want to know more then you would have like these novels that would kind of give you like different outlets or different ways of like thinking about the characters and then maybe rewatching the movie with that in mind, which was always kind of fun, but he was reading Conan. And then he was also reading, I think, I think it was him who was reading the judge dread novelization which was wait Stallone yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I would, I would totally read that yeah you know that's funny because I was like I think my first uh book that I ever read on my own was The Beach you know with the Leonardo DiCaprio movie but that was a book before it became a movie and that writer ended up becoming a screenwriter and then a director like he did The Beach and then he wrote Sunshine with Danny Boyle and then he wrote 28 Days Later with no sorry backwards 28 Days Later and then Sunshine and then he started making his own stuff and he ended up doing Ex Machina and uh, he worked on Dread, the, the second, the, the reboot, and then he did uh, Annihilation. Oh, cool. Um, oh, I loved Annihilation. That was a great movie. Yeah, so Alex Garland's cool. Um, and he started out by being a writer and that was the first book I read. And I remember in school, the only book I was ever interested that they made me read was Alive because I'd seen, it's the plane crash in the Andes, the true story where they had to kind of revert to like cannibalism because to survive, they survived 80, 80 days, 80 something days in the Andes. Um, just like using the plane fuselage is like a, is like a shelter. Um, it's a crazy story. And there's a cool movie about it starring Ethan Hawke from the nineties called alive. And I remember in school, the only reason I was interested in this is because um, I had seen the movie with my dad and I was like, I could, I don't know. I guess I just didn't have this bit of imagination where I was spoiled with like watching a lot of movies where I was just more visual. But when I've seen the movie and I understand the like the like kind of universe and like these characters, what they look like, what they sound like, it's way more fun for me to kind of learn about them because I already like like them. That's cool. Novelizations. Yeah, that makes sense. That's actually why Tarantino said that he wrote the book because he was a huge fan of novelizations of movies as well. And he just like did it for fun. Um which I'm kind of annoyed about with his whole like 10 movie thing, how he's only going to do one more movie, which is just kind of like, okay. I mean, you know, I, he probably wants to, you know, have his own life or whatever, and, like close a chapter on his filmmaking like career. But anyway, did everyone kind of, was that, that was my catch up thing. Uh, did everyone else do theirs? I feel like I totally just steamrolled into like an actual conversation. Oh, uh, that's okay. No, that's, that's fine. Mike and Nick, if there's any finds that you've had that you want to talk about. This week I found uh, this movie, which is, uh showed you guys, uh, it's called Who's Watching Me. Um, 
every child needs to know to avoid abduction. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be, you know, like, like you I was like, with oh. these, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, either this is going to be like all animated and just goofy, um, which I mean, abduction's not goofy. It's not funny, but I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. Cause it could also be a live action and really cringy. And it was a live action and it was very cringy, but not in like, a funny way like it was actually just a little bit too heavy so i'll probably get rid of it <laughs> but Wait, didn't uh, you wasn't it you that had the cautionary tale like masturbation one last time or was yeah, that yeah that was definitely one and one you watched that, that. <laughs> oh that one's amazing that one's called like every young man's battle or some shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god i that, I still one, can't get over that. that one was hilarious too because it's this dude just being like a lot of men are going to have problems and they're going to want to have sex with a woman. And let me tell you, when that time comes, it's going to be great. And it like cuts to like every dude in that room. And I'm like, none of those dudes are getting laid anytime soon. Uh, oh my God. That's too, that's too funny. And then All right. I'll pass it over to you, Nick. But the only other thing was with them, a Spanish, uh, uh, Dr. Giggles. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> Spanish one. So, yeah, that was cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I just have two really quick ones. Um, my VHS entry is The Cellar. Um, 1990, it's a Southgate entertainment. Uh, kind of like a Native American beast or uh, some type of monster that comes out of the ground. That looks cool. Uh, actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually recommend it. Um, it's on my YouTube channel. VHS Legacy, if you want to watch it. And this is for my um, my TRS-80 uh, Radio Shack computer that I got. It's Dungeons of Daggerath, wow. um, which is the first wow. first-person dungeon crawler RPG ever made, which I'm really oh, excited about. Is that, is that on play. a cassette tape or like an 8-track type this, thing? This is on – no, it's on a uh, cartridge, but it's um has a protector that slides up. See, there's the chip. Wow. Oh, yeah, so really good like condition too. I love the. Yeah, that's yeah. so anyway. cool. Well, I do you remember? I think it was the last time that we talked. I talked about how uh, this lady at the grocery store gave me a box of tapes. I was helping her out to her car, and she had a yes. box. Of tapes. Yes. Like, do you want? Oh my god. Which I which I loved. Um, that was amazing. Oh, horror. But. So we, I, we picked, I picked through a lot of those and then, um, the rest of them, the ones that, I, you know, it was just like general tapes that I have or, you know, whatever. Um, I decided, I was like, Oh, I mean, oh, I'm going to put them out, you know, on the side, right, right by my, right by my house. It's, you know, it's, it's nice outside it's not going to rain. Maybe somebody will walk past and want to snag a couple of them. Uh, and so I put them out and then we went camping uh, a couple of days ago and when we came back, it looked like some people had kind of rummaged through it um, there because it was definitely in a different condition than when we left. So it looked like some tapes were taken, but then at the same time, it looked like somebody had actually put a tape in. It was definitely a tape that I would have pulled out if I would have known. And it was like right on top too. Um, But I have, so I have a picture of it because we saw it when a friend of ours was over and she was like, Oh my God, can I have this? And I was like, sure. You know, pass on the love or whatever um yeah. it's called the house on the edge of the park oh my god that looks and so cool so it is a remake of 
uh, Last House on the Left. And like a loose remake of Last House on the Left. But it stars the same uh, guy, David Hess. It's it's mm. the same guy who's in Last House on the Left who plays his same character in this movie. Uh, and it's wow. like it's an Italian film. It's like one of those like Italian horror like exploitation films. That cover is um, awesome. You got you guys have to check this out when we post this. Yeah, it's a real. I'll definitely put this on Instagram. It's a really cool cover. Um, cool. Which so I'm a little bummed, not bummed. But I was like, man, I should have put that in. But the next time that our friend comes over, I'll just have her bring it and we'll watch it then. Um, but it's a Vestron release, which was pretty cool. And uh, yeah. Uh, and we were wow, like, that was some charity of you, man. Yeah, like, we I talked know. about this. We we, we did back. it. You did one of those. Pass it on. That was like a, you gave them a return to the living dead moment. Like you know, you're just like, bam, just paid it forward. So funny that you say that. My second tape <laughs> that I have. Uh, oh, so how do we do this? Well, so yeah, I know. I love this. I love that we all <laughs> just have this kind of like. Yeah, we do this yeah. couple, sometimes. But yeah. I, I found this tape a long time ago and I told Nick that I, I, he could have it. And when I went to give it to him, he came over, I went to give him to him and I could not find it anywhere. And I've been looking for it. And it's probably been like at least a year, Nick, since I said I was going to give it to you. It's been a while. But it That's is all right. Return of the Living Boom. Part 2. Yeah. Part 2. So, so funny enough. Thank you. But, Still yeah, beautiful so, movie. Uh, let's see, L- Lorimar Home Video, which I've yeah. never heard of. Lorimar? Lorimar. Yeah. Fox. Um, and oh, no, that's different. Uh, the back has the two, like, two zombies that look like the people, like the two old men and the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take a picture <laughs> of this one, too. But finally found it. And it was just, like, in my closet. I don't know how I didn't find it before. Because on the top of my closet, I have a bunch of old tapes that are just chilling there. But Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Nick? This is all yours next time you come over. Um, Sweet, man. Thank you. More safe. But it's oh, been, I, I'm still not quite on the uh, thrift store life yet. Still mm-hmm. easing myself into that. Uh, just, you know, personal thing or whatever. But mm-hmm. hopefully by the next time that, uh, you know, whenever, whenever any of us meet up again or, or so, but I'll have all of uh gone to some some thrift stores but so nice. those are my two i you know charity on one of them and charity on the other what can i say i'm wow. a charitable guy just there you go angel <laughs> yeah oh my god angel heart <laughs> all right um, <laughs> what are yours okay um well just a shout out to return of the living dead part two as well because that movie is so zany and and like it's like terrible in all the best ways they kind of rewrite things a bit where like the, the same two guys they might have been the guys you're pointing out on the back like uh in return of the living dead one it's like the kind of main some of the main characters are like it's this punk kid's first day on the job and like the older guy showing him the robes like those are the two guys that are also in the second one and like they're like grave robbers this time but they're like wearing the exact same outfits and like supposedly are different characters they don't ever like, explain it because they, uh, it, it, there are reasons why it just, it just absolutely couldn't be them. Um, anyway, they just say fuck that and put them in the movie anyway. Um, and so that's yeah, great. I always wondered that too. Because didn't they die? Like, yeah, both of them died <laughs> at the beginning died. of the first one, and then you're like, they're yeah. back. And you're like, what the fuck? It's kind of like Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, they retcon it. You know, they're just like the second one. They're like, eh, whatever. It'll just, we'll just make it. Absolutely. Great. It doesn't matter. 
It's just like, let them all back. Uh, anyway, you gotta love those just like continuity, just blatant like disregard yeah. they had in the 80s. Um, so yeah, a couple that I uh, stumbled across um, are, uh, I, they're in the car right now, unfortunately, because I just got back from a trip where I brought them on the road with me. But um, uh, one I picked up I, is one that my friend uh, at Hollywood Babylon, like the owner, Peter, uh, Hollywood Babylon is a really cool vintage shop in Portland. If anyone's ever here, definitely check it out. They got VHS tapes and like clothing and cassette tapes and eight tracks and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but anyway, I was there and I remember I was flipping through his records and I saw um, this really cool like record. And then I saw it. It was a Tangerine Dream record, which means it's probably a soundtrack. And for those that don't know, Tangerine Dream is an amazing uh, musical group or guy i don't really know but they did a lot of like 80 soundtracks um kind of like just like vapor wavy like uh it's kind of like all anyway um so I, I looked at it and i was like oh wow tangerine dream and then i looked at them i didn't know the movie but it was directed by william friedkin who did exorcists so i was like fuck tangerine dream and the director of exorcist what the hell is this movie called sorcerer um which it's just like it's a really intense kind of slow burn type of movie, but I highly recommend it. Uh, you know, the beginning is a little slow and a little confusing, um, but it, I'd, I'd say I'd implore anyone that's trying to watch it to stick it out and like just like give it a chance because it does it does deliver. It's um, it's just one of those movies that uh, I don't know. It's just really thrilling, but like very simple. Basically, the story is like. Um, I think it's like maybe three or four different guys from different parts of the world. Um, it kind of, that's the confusing part because it's like jumping around. Some of them speak French, some of them, you know, speak English and they're all from like, they're all in their respective places. And then they all have to like basically get the fuck out of where they're, their, their town. They have to like, uh, all leave immediately and they all end up, um, the only thing, the only thing they have in common is they all end up in this like, fucking third world just like super miserable place where they're kind of hiding out and um they desperately need to get out but they're just broke they have no way to get out and um there's this crazy oil like fire like a oil vein catches on fire just like it's just like an uh, they're really blood where it's just like spitting fire out of the ground constantly and the only way for them to like fix it is with this like dynamite but it's like such a poor country they only have dynamite in one place and it's super far away and it's super unstable and it's just like um someone's got to transport it on these trucks two trucks just in case one of them blows up they split it up and it's just like if they it's one of those things where the dynamite if you shake it a little bit it, it'll explode um so these guys take on this job um because they it, it's like they're the only ones like desperate enough to do it and they need the money and they're driving these trucks across this like super treacherous um path like through the jungle basically and if they hit any bumps or they, they do anything like you know they'll blow up they'll spontaneously combust so that's what sorcerer is about and one of them one of the trucks is called sorcerer which is what the movie title comes from but uh recommend that one um the second one i got was uh this one that i saw actually in theaters the first movie i saw in theaters um the, it wasn't really technically a theater it was um this, there's this group called Weird War here in Portland. They put on really cool, uh, like unknown B, like horror movies. Like sometimes um, foreign films, sometimes just like you know, this one. In this case, it was like a post-apocalypse kind of exploitation movie from the '80s. But 
it's always something good with those guys. I have, I don't know, like, I don't think they travel around, but like, um, if anyone wants to look them up, I think it's W Y R D W A R. Um, and yeah, I remember I saw a movie called mystics in Bali. That was really cool. That's mystics in Bali. That. Yeah. Yeah. You can look up the trailer on YouTube. It's, it's a great movie. Um, but the one that I just saw was called cherry 2000. And, um, this movie is like <laughs> hilarious. It's, um, the plot is basically, it's like a B. Oh, there it is. Yep. Okay. I have an VHS. I'll post it. Okay, good. Post it for me. Um, so basically the plot is, um, in the future, uh, there are still women, but there's also like sex robots, basically, essentially for lack of a better term. And this guy has a, a very like vintage, like kind of special sex robot, which he gets a little too passionate with. And they kind of get, she gets wet in the beginning. Um, and she malfunctions and he takes out her memory bank and he's trying to find another body for like her to put her memory chip into. And, but these things are so sought after that the, like the only place that like someone could find a body like this is like outside of the city in like the no man's land where no one goes kind of the desert um, where there's like an old robot factory. And so he has to go to like a tracker, which is like someone that will go out there and like find these things for him. And she's a badass. Um, named e johnson and she's played by melanie griffith who when she's like very young and uh she's like super hot super badass and she's just like okay i'll get the fucking job done like let's go uh he actually he sees her first and then he tries to take on a job he like he like kind of shops around he goes to the guy that plays leon from from blade runner which is funny because it's like he's it's just kind of a total meta moment where like he's trying to hire this guy he ends up not going with him and he goes, comes crawling back to E Johnson. He's like, take me to this, you know, robot facility. And anyway, great movie, tons of fun. Um, a fun fact that they told me this guy went up and talked about the movie before. And I guess, uh, Melanie Griffith had was the second choice for the actress in that movie. And, um, they were like, okay, you got the role except for she was pregnant. And they were like, well, you have to have your baby by this date. If you want to be in this movie. So they gave her a due date <laughs> and they were like, if you don't have your baby, then you, if you, then you can't be in the movie. Like you better pop that thing out. Anyway, she did have the baby just in time, two weeks before they started filming. So in the movie, she's literally just had a child two weeks prior to that. Um, and you can tell she's all like kind of on some quaaludes or something. Cause she's just like, kind of seems a little out of it, the whole movie, but it, it adds to her character. It's super great. Um, I love that. That cre- that, situation in real life creates her character in the movie yeah yeah her character would not have been the same yeah uh so that wraps it up for me that's those are the two pickups that i thought were worth mentioning cool 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 well awesome. i think uh the big game that we wanted to play last time that we didn't have uh, time to get to um which i want to uh kind of take the rest of the episode to to do with you andrew um mm-hmm. i think it's called director versus director yeah i i just me and my friend were driving to get some chicken wings one day and we'd gone to the wrong wing stop so uh to entertain ourselves as we were kind of like taking the like trail of shame as our wings were getting cold to the second location I was like trying to like brighten the mood and I just randomly was like, Oh, like who would you, who's a better director? Like, or if you could only have this director or this director, the other one never existed or whatever, or you basically just have to choose. Um, let's just say you're on a desert Island and you have to pick which movie, which director's movies you can have or something. I don't know. So we just started going at it and we just like 
even after we got home, as well, we were eating the wings and the whole time, we just kept on thinking, oh, I got one, I got one, you know. So it became this fun game. So I thought it'd be a fun thing to play with you guys. And I wrote a whole list of like matchups, basically. Yeah. When uh, I went over to Nick's place to, we were editing the last episode. Uh, he had showed me just a couple of them. We didn't really go into cool. any. We didn't really go into any of it. It was just kind of looking like, oh, cool, these are some cool directors. Um, but yeah, I would love to uh, to t- yeah take the rest of the episode and uh, kind of play this game. I don't know. I've been looking forward to this Excellent. last time. I really wanted to, you know, I really wanted to play it, but you know, we just we got into some other cooler conversations and such. Yeah. But but yeah, so if, I'm just wise. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, but yeah, so Andrew, I mean, this is, uh, okay, take it away. Uh, First yeah. of all, Nick, Nick, are you in your underwear, man? No. Okay. These are shorts. These are like house shorts. Okay. 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 Sorry. The entire time that we have pockets up, Nick, it looks like you're in your underwear, <laughs> which is fine. It's, that's not, you know, Hey, I, I think those are, those look really comfy. I'm not, no hate. Well, where are my other shorts over there? I just had to ask. Mm. No, you're good. I'm not trying to shame you, dude. We obviously are the type of people that do judge books by their covers because that's why we buy all of our, our media and <laughs> everything, but no no yeah, fucking shade here. Dude, no judgment, man. I've just never heard anybody call a banana hammock house shorts, but I mean... <laughs> oh! That's okay. That's okay. Quite yeah, a thing you got there, Nick. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's European. We can, we can, we can cut this out. Um, no, we're leaving. <laughs> Really? Okay. Um, all right. Well, all this, I, with no further ado, um, I don't know if I ever asked you guys, this is another fun question just to kind of whet our appetites. You, what, if there was any director or actor that you guys could have lunch with, have I asked you guys this question already? No, but I have. Okay. I have, Let's start it with this. Oh, man. So this has been an idea that I've had for a really long time, actually. Uh, where I wanted to go to a Denny's and sit down with uh, Mark Ruffalo mm. and talk with Mark Ruffalo. Mostly the big thing. And so it was going to be, so the movie is called American Ruffalo. And it, the big thing about it, I just, I really wanted to kind of like have an interview with him where we talk about like his career at the same time, because he's really, really political, but he's really political and like progressive in one way, but also like kind of conspiratorial in another way. Um, and at the same time, he has almost exclusively played uh, supporting roles, except for one mm. movie. It was called like XXXY or something like that, mm. that like bombed apparently. I've never seen Dang. it. I've never seen it, but it bombed. And so I just, I just like the idea of like, uh, 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 Judy Greer once said that she loved being a supporting character in everything that she's done because she can go to the grocery store and not a lot of people recognize her, but she can still be in movies and have fun. Mm, yeah. And I like the idea. And I, I've always wanted to just sit down and like talk to Mark Ruffalo with my idea of the American Ruffalo, the, the American, mm. you know, the American actor. Um, and funny enough, I actually, when I was living in Chicago, a friend of mine was working on on one on one of the Avengers because they were doing some some pickups in Chicago and he got me the phone number and the email address of Mark Ruffalo's agent. Wow. I've never actually hit it up because I don't have a well half sad enough plan for a movie. 
But <clears throat> I just love that that's the question you asked because I was sitting at a desk with my friend and I was like, you know, I want to do, I want to interview Mark Ruffalo to Denny's. And then that has created yeah. this entire concept of the film that I've, I've had. Um, my dad worked with a guy, he's a producer of this movie called Mirror Mirror 2, right? Yep. Guess who's in this movie? Is Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Yes, he's in this movie. The main character? Uh, he's a supporting. He's an also starring. Probably one of his first movies. See? He's always an also. He's always an also. But he does have yeah. a good job at it. That he so except for oh, I just remember. So that there's a TV show on HBO that I started watching where he plays uh, he plays a set of like two like a twin. Um and it's I don't remember the name of it now. I got through one episode and I really, really liked it. I, I started watching other things as well and never re- returned to it and I mean to. He played but, both twins, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it's I, like I, I one, twin, for that. one twin has like a lot of different like mental disorders and the other twin has had to like take care of him the entire time. And it's kind of, it's really just, I mean, I've only seen the first episode and it's kind of a cool story and I mean to watch the rest of it. But I, that was, so that's, besides the movie that he was in, that he was the main character that bombed, this is a TV show where he's the main character. And it only took him his entire career to get to a point where he was like a main character in something. And the show, as of what I've watched, the first episode was really, really, really good. So. Ben, I have to ask now that you said that, I'm not going to put it the way they put it in Tropic Thunder, but I want to know. Like, did he go, did he commit to that role of the troubled brother? Did he go all the way or did he like reel it back a little bit? Or? He did not go all the way. He did, <laughs> he did, he did not go simple Jack. <laughs> uh, he did not go all the way. He actually does a really good job at playing a character. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's not necessarily, at least in the first episode, it wasn't um, directly like talk about whatever like whatever kind of disorders that he has, but it is kind of like, um, kind of like bipolar, schizophrenic, and like maybe like on the spectrum is kind of the idea of all of it. Uh, But he does a really, really good job at at showing the realities of like mental disabilities. Uh, But no, did not go go simple Jack. I love, right. love that that was the I love that question. That was great. <laughs> okay. All right. What about one, you guys? You could have lunch with any director or actor. Mike, go ahead. Um, I mean, you got so many. You got like Sean Penn for his amazing role in I Am Sam, or you have like, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no, like no, Leonardo no. DiCaprio for his amazing role in Gilbert Grape. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, this isn't, this isn't a stipulation. Dustin Hoffman. These characters. Apex. Oh no, he was an alien. Um, wait, does it have to be an actor? Because like I'm. I, oh, actress, I get, actor, like, director. Um, any, actor, any, director. any. Oh, or both. Many are both. Yeah. Yeah, very true. I could definitely That's do like a Tommy over here, but uh, you got to think, think like. Go. I like. Uh, I like a big, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, because I'm just thinking like a big personality. And I think, like, I, I do, I don't, it would easily be Chris Farley for me. It's just because, like, right. it could be, yeah, living dude, or dead. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, a lot. No, that's fine. I mean, no, yeah. no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you can... <laughs> Andrew, Mike wants to meet him alive. Can we... Just so you know. <laughs> it's really important. I guess I was like, I was, re- I was reiterating dinner. that, yeah, they can be alive or dead, but yeah, also, <laughs> would you want to interview him alive or dead? Alive would probably be more of a conversation. Actually, no, interview dead would be cool, but I feel like getting dinner with them and, like, picking his brain... I feel like he's not going to have, like, he's not going to have, like, the most insightful advice, but he's going to want to get, he's going to want to party. So we'll probably yeah. end up drinking a lot. And then dinner could totally lead to us doing a bunch After. of drugs. And yeah. It would be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was on the fence with John Candy, but I figured Chris Ooh. probably would be a little bit more fun at the dinner table. So <laughs> I'm funny how similar those two that you're kind of, like, going between are. Like, both comedians, both, like, big guys, but both amazing. Just um, big personality. I like like really rounded personalities like that. Cause you know, I feel like some of, the people, some of the people that, <laughs> that I was thinking like directors and stuff, I'm like, they could just be a drag, you know, like, mm-hmm. like they could, yeah, maybe my like favorite Stone or something. Yeah. <laughs> just, <for laughs> just, like, just makes funny the whole time. <laughs> How about you, Nick? Um, I think I'm going to go with a, a actor slash director, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, my, <laughs> dinner date just because it'd be kind of just fun to talk to him about all his projects plus all of his weird conspiracies and his stuff he's done in his life he's like a civil engineer and uh you know owns his own like liquor company and served on the canadian liquor board just a crazy yeah just seems like he'd be a cool guy to talk to nice that's good all right and mine um there's a couple like close honorable mentions but i'm gonna go and this is an easy one for me i don't know why but uh willem dafoe um just because i think that he's the fucking coolest guy in the world i don't know he seems like a, i've seen him in so many interviews i already know like his whole story i've heard him like explain it in like in-depth interviews like with larry king and you know but he just has been in the big game for a long time he's got so many amazing roles under his belt and on top of that like besides the fact that he I'm so glad that they're like casting him as more than just bad guys nowadays. Um, even though he's got an iconic bad guy face and like a demented, he can go demented, but in all the interviews I've ever seen him with, uh, seen with him, he's just such a, a warm, like gentle, like friendly guy that like, I just like super, every time I see him, it's like, God, I want to hang out with this guy. I want to just like have a drink and this, not even talk about movies, just like kind of like just have conversations about, you know, like, you know, anything and just kind of just laugh with him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a huge fan of Willem Dafoe. And that's, that's definitely who I would, uh, who I'd uh, pick. Hell Let's yeah. see. Also that's Terry Crews. Nice. Terry Crews seems really cool too. What's your first, uh, director? All right. director? Ding, ding. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of hop over to my picture here and okay. Let's take a look here. All right. Director versus director. For our first matchup, it's going to be uh, David Cronenberg versus Paul Verhoeven. So Cronenberg did like The Brood, Videodrome, Scanners, The Fly. Uh, Verhoeven did Total Recall, RoboCop, Starship Troopers, and Nick, help me with this one. Fatal Attraction? Or what was it? Um, I'm going to look it up. Go Girls. Um, but so those, those are the first, that's the first matchup. Oh man. I don't even know who I'm going to pick, honestly. 
I I'll pick Cronenberg. Okay. Mostly because I'm not a fan of movies by I'm not a fan of the movies based on Philip K. Dick novels because they're 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 never as good as the novel. Mm, and okay. so that's a good reason. And not that I don't like his his other movies, like Verhoeven's other movies, but just the fact that he did some Philip K. Dick novels, I was like, ah, nah, I'm out. And yeah. uh, The oh, Brood yeah. was one of like the first um, movies on VHS that I watched with one of my roommates. Ooh, so I definitely, and, and Cronenberg, I feel like has um, his style from early till even till now, like, uh, like, uh, Cosmopolis and some of like, uh, did he do the maps to the stars? I think was the a newer one too. I don't know about that. I might, I might be wrong on that. He, he may not have done that, but, uh, I just think that his directing style in, in chunks is like very, like very similar in this chunk. And then it, then it really saw chunks. well into a next chunk and then moves well into a next chunk with like, everything from like what was going on within the time as well. Yeah. So I liked his progression a lot more. So I guess it's for me, that's a good question because it's a, I don't like Philip K. Dick novel movies and B I like the entirety of Cronenberg's work. Okay. Yeah. Nick, what about you or Mike? Um, I'm going to definitely go with Cronenberg just because uh, my favorite movie is Videodrome. But um, I, I mean, I think as far as like access accessibility, I think most people would definitely not choose that because uh, I mean, fucking total recall is a goddamn masterpiece and maybe like one of the best like scripts of all time. I just love that concept of, uh, you know, colonizing Mars, get your ass to Mars. Um, but I also like, I, I would definitely choose Cronenberg because we're talking like, I mean, as far as a visionary, like no, I don't think I've ever seen movies like that, like that somebody basically has created like their own, like microcosmos of the just weirdness inside of, uh, the mind of a director. Like it's like, uh, he's developed his own style that I don't think anybody can really replicate. So yeah, he he wins the celebrity death match for me. Nice, Ooh. Nick. Yeah, I, I second all that. Um, I think that uh, though they are similar in a lot of ways. Um, something around after Starship Troopers, um, there isn't a lot of Verhoeven that is that relevant. I, I saw that movie L, kind of a revenge thriller. It's good, um, but yeah. Cronenberg, I want to say, I want to shout out one of his movies. It's called Crimes of the Future it's from 1970. It's one of his first movies. Um, that movie is just so interesting. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Wow. Oh, man. It's sweeping fucking Cronenberg. Yeah, here. Um, what about you, Andrew? Oh, man. I'm really trying to like weigh this in my head. And obviously, I will say that Cronenberg does have uh, a vaster filmography of way more interesting content. Um, and like something that you're not going to get with any other director period. Um, like, I mean, his body, he is the one that like kind of like paved the way for like body horror and, um, kind of did it best. I mean, he hasn't been outdone. Um, 
But on the flip side, uh, even though, like, I can only think of, like I said, that at least that matter to me personally, only three, like, heavy hitters, which I already said, um, uh, you know, Sarsha Troopers, uh, Total Recall, and RoboCop. Um, I honestly cannot think of a world without RoboCop. I just cannot think of, like, just having him not exist is, like, just too much for me uh, to, like, I, that movie and just how cool he is and the amount of times that I've seen that movie versus the amount of times I've seen any of Cronenberg movies. Okay, maybe besides The Fly. Um, like, I've just seen it so many times and Total Recall on top of that. I just think I've seen those movies more. Like, you know, um, and that kind of speaks. And also just, uh, I will say that this argument can be made for both of them, but, like, Culturally, I think RoboCop brought us so much awesome visceral violence, like kind of commentary on like just like everything. So many things like followed suit when RoboCop came out and it was so successful that like I think that he changed the face of like um, movies, like kind of action movies. Um, and uh, but, you know, Cronenberg definitely changed the horror world as well. But since I do think that like those action packed like movies were like more money went into them higher budget like more attention so overall bigger influence on the zeitgeist overall so that's why i'm also just because you all chose cronenberg i have to say verhoven just to be a fly in the ointment but um it's really tough for me that's why i made these um and that's it so that's it that okay was that's a good uh that's a good matchup right there i would say for sure yeah. Yeah. A, awesome. it really is like talk about two directors that are very specific about them getting a fucking solid effects crew to work on their films oh like, my god yeah both those dudes need like the top-notch dudes to do their effects and i mean it's like fucking starship troopers is stan winston uh RoboCop and Total Recall is my favorite effects artist, uh, Rob Bottin, who did the thing. Uh, fucking Cronenberg yeah. has worked with fucking Rick Baker, like the king. Oh, yeah. So it's, I don't know. They both just know specifically, like, if they're going to execute their vision, they need the best of the best for the effects. Yeah. So. There was a time when I thought, when very young, like, uh, I thought uh, RoboCop, for some reason, I, I, I got mixed up one time and I thought that was directed by Cronenberg because it feels kind of body horror ish. But um, yeah, the melted dude at the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I'm really happy with that turned out. So for our next, for our next uh, matchup here, stepping into the ring, uh, in one corner, we have Ridley Scott. Okay. In the other corner, you ask who could possibly you know go toe to toe and i'm gonna bring in our boy james cameron and that they are facing off i think this is like an, a, a battle as old as time like i just these guys have always been on the top of my list and you know they even worked on the same franchise together with alien um and i can really it's it's a it's a heavily debated i think more for me than terminator one and two like that's also cameron but uh like Alien and Aliens, it's a, such a tough call for me to pick a movie between those two. And this is the matchup right here. Not those movies in particular, but these two guys. Like which, And I will wait until go last. <laughs> Mike, start us off. Okay, yeah. um, I'm just going to go short and simple. This is fucking tough, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause, I mean, I'd say 
Um, as far as Cronenberg, like I said, Videodrome's my favorite movie by them. But my favorite movie of all time is hands down Alien, the yeah. first. I mean, it just, especially director's cut, like the amount of like lost Giger artwork that they left out. And that movie is just perfect. Yeah. Um, and Ridley Scott knows exactly who to get. I mean, as far as that, that person's vision, it's like, give me the best effects artist, but also give me the best visionary, like, you know, like they have such a fucking, like, the cinematography is insane in Ridley Scott movies. Like, yeah. it's all so well thought out. The artwork. lighting, it's artwork. Yeah, you're just walking into a moving, like, yeah. I mean, not that, not that camera isn't, but he, I will say, he, like, feels like a fucking Leonardo da Vinci or something like that. Like a Renaissance painter yeah. or something, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's so much more movement in a Cameron film. And that's why I'm going to take that hard shit and say, yo, Ridley, you're tight. But you're done, dude. I'm going James Cameron. <laughs> dude, fucking Terminator, like with the uppercut. Like you can't really fuck like aliens <laughs> and shit. Like, dude, once you if you've done aliens and Terminator, man, like <laughs> it really I think it really yeah. takes the cake. And yeah, I think it was good. I think fucking Terminator two might be like one of like the most watched <laughs> like next to yeah. I mean, they're all they're all like on a pedestal and I'm not like like fucking legend, dude. That movie is shit. Really, Scott. Like, it's like one of my favorite. Like, and as far as effects, like one of my favorite effects movies of all time. But I think if I had to choose between me, um, like what I'd watch more, it kind of feels like it's between fantasy and action. And I'm just, I feel like I could endlessly watch those action movies, and that's like almost where, you know, I was standing with with the last battle was like. You know, we can do action so much better, but um, yeah, I think this round I'm going to say Cameron can just he just crushes those action films like they're they're too good and the effects are insane. Yeah, um, and you it's very you can't go wrong. Yeah, I'm going to go with James. All right, Nick or Ben, who wants to take it? I'll go next. Okay. So I was just kind of looking up just general film- filmography of both uh, mm-hmm. people. Funny enough that James Cameron has only, like, directed, as of what I'm counting, like, directed uh, 11 movies. Well, Which is yeah. interesting. I, I was, like, trying to think, and I was like, wow, like, it, he's involved with a lot more movies. But I'm going to go with Ridley Scott. Uh, mostly, it's... So this is, this is a hard one because... I really like like the the movies. I kind of would compare them to like an epic poem, you know, over dramatization in a good way, amazing effects, uh, you know, just kind of general like um, deep concepts while at the same time amazing movies to watch in a theater kind of deal. But mm-hmm. just from going through the filmography, I like a, I like a lot more Ridley Scott films. Um, I also. Similar to to Cronenberg from before, I really like his diversity in the films. Like I, I didn't realize that he like really Scott directed Clay Pigeons, which I really liked. I thought that was really. Wow, great. I didn't didn't um, realize that. I I don't know. I think I just really liked. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, oh man, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. No, the other one, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I love Vince oh, yeah. Vaughn's 
character in that movie. And I, and I think both Joaquin Phoenix and Vince Vaughn played really interesting characters that they don't normally play in movies. So I just like that. I like the directing mm-hmm. style of that movie. That was before either of them got big, too. That was, yeah. They both ended up getting yeah. huge. Um, and then also with, with Alien 2, I mean, and the the history like past that movie. Uh, also, Thelma and Louise. Another oh, great film. Another great film. Um, and then, I guess, yeah, just, I think it's just because I like a lot more of these films and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great film, that's a great film, that's a great film. Also, uh, I think Avatar really bumped James Cameron down a couple of points for me. Um, yeah. Also, Titanic. I'm not a big fan of Titanic. <laughs> uh, you know, I, got Leo. Yeah, I am obsessed we with got, Titanic. So. You know, we, not we, that we, movie, just the, just the whole thing, Titanic. Um, dazzles me in a weird way. Not the movie necessarily, but just the whole the history of it. Yeah, but, but the I movie think, so for me, Ridley Scott, mostly because of the diversity of the film, of like his filmography. Uh, I think his directing style is really great. You know, maybe yeah. not necessarily all of his movies in general, but his directing style. It, I think, he's a really good way of directing actors to play different um, performances of what would of what like. Maybe not like they normally would play, but to kind of create different characters based on an actor's strengths that they may not have had in other movies. Okay, nice. All right, Nick. Nick? I, I'm with you, Ben. I I went into this thinking like Terminator 2 is probably one of my favorite movies of all time, and it, it is a blockbuster movie. Um, it is a great action movie, probably one of the best ones ever made. Action sci-fi, but. I mean, it looks like most of his catalog is, I mean, it's action. He definitely knows his action movies. Um, I went on to his IMDb as well, and I'm actually seeing right now that there's an Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 <laughs> all filming yeah. at once right now <laughs> into 2028. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, yeah, Ridley Scott has Gladiator. He's got, um, he's got a lot more range, it seems like. So, Hannibal, yeah, those, those are some great movies. Yeah, I think yeah. I liked Hannibal maybe a little more than Science of the Lambs, but wow, maybe I, I'm actually I just bought that recently, and I'm, I've been it's on my list of things to watch, so I'm excited because I don't remember that movie at all. I love Hannibal. Yeah. That was a great. That was that's a great movie in that series for sure. I mean, I really Scott do it, so I've always I've always just been like, oh, how how what did he do with that? I can't even remember. That's the one where Ray Liotta was in that, right? He's in Hannibal. What? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Okay, it's great. Okay. That There's and Red Dragon—they're all decent. Yeah. They're all excellent. Maybe. Sorry, Ray Liotta. Okay, the very the only thing I think about when I think of Ray Liotta is B movie. Mm. B movie. Yeah. Have you ever seen B movie? He no. Plays, I know the memes. He plays I, no, like an animated version of himself, and it's really weird. <laughs> and I don't know why, but just when I hear Ray Liotta, I'm just like, oh, from B movie. <laughs> That's fair. Um, okay all right go on he was the voice of uh tommy Bersetti in um vice city as well yeah that's really cool all right nick (laughs) keep making your face here so you said you were chose oh yeah i'm going with um ridley scott i mean we didn't even talk about blade runner obviously he just has he's got you know an eye for cinema i mean and it just shows in all all genres okay yeah you go with james cameron or ridley scott uh, I went with Cameron because I like, yeah, uh, like his action films a lot. So yeah. we're two to one right now. All right, yeah, Andrew. yeah, I'm the decider, and um, 
I don't know. I won't want. I won't try this on, but I'm. I'm gonna. You know, for a lot of the reasons that have been mentioned. Um. I mean, God, it's such a tough call, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Lee Scott just because I think that he is a little bit more of a like a freakish like prodigy. I mean, they're both incredible, and I will say this for for James Cameron. I mean, there is the Avatar thing, but also you got to take into account that this guy didn't just make movies he was obsessed with like underwater exploration he like uh he led an exploration of speaking of titanic he he led one of the like explorations of the titanic where he like actually crafted like manufactured with some other people i'm pretty sure like a little kind of like just like in the abyss which is a movie we didn't talk about which i think is amazing like he crafted like little kind of subs that could go in the little room so like he's like an engineer like an uh, just an an explorer like you know He's done like a very large chunk of underwater exploration, like compared to. Well, he like, led the team to the deepest part of the ocean, right? That whatever yeah. that channel is. So he's yeah. a total crackpot and amazing, a genius. <laughs> but like, uh, and I like, and he's just like one of the best filmmakers of all time. But Ridley Scott, I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> just just title for title, you know, like Gladiator, Blade Runner, like Alien. And I am a fan of Prometheus and Covenant, even just for like popcorn movies. Um, Yeah. And so it's just like, he's still making stuff today. Uh, James Cameron, he produces some stuff, but nothing that's like as good. Like, I mean, these are old men. I think Ridley Scott might edge him out on age as well. And he's just out there like an old crotchety dude, just making fucking, still making art, still making things that are like, you know, no one else comes close, just the way it looks sci-fi he just does it so well um so yeah and really still, Scott. yeah still yeah. doing alien movies too um okay cool i i looked i looked ahead and i kind of picked the best one just because i realized i wrote that more than we're going to get through but these guys both have a history in horror and have gone on to do more epic movies have both started off kind of indie and gone on to become very hollywood and uh i think that they are a perfect matchup so in one corner we have Peter Jackson. And then in the other corner, can anyone guess who it's going to be? Who has a, a mirroring? Um, like I said, started in horror, ended up going on to like do a kind of adventurous movies. Um, we've actually talked about them already in this episode. Sam Raimi. Three. Sam Raimi, you got it. So Sam Raimi versus Peter Jackson. Bing, bing. It's on. Sorry, I'm getting pretty excited uh, here. I'm going Sam Raimi all the way, my dudes. Yeah, and, uh, I love Peter Jackson and mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Fuck yeah, his uh, <laughs> dude's done. He's put his time. He's put his time in his fucking ninth mm. window of movies in the nineties were like mm-hmm. romantic bullshit. Um, it was not very <laughs> good until he started getting um into like Lord Lord of the Rings, and now he and now if anything, I mean, he produces a lot of shit. I mean, his his adaptation, Peter Jackson's adaptation of King Kong was fucking incredible. It might be one of my favorite movies. I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. that one, yeah. Um, and I'll always worship Dead Alive and uh, Bad Taste. Damn, Raimi, I mean, talk about, like, I mean, motherfucker got his entire, you know, movie funded by dentists and shit for, and just rich people in his hometown for... Yeah, Evil Dead. Crazy. For Evil Dead. And, uh... Um... I guess like I still give it to him because one of his last movies, Crawl, is like a fucking 
nightmarish alligator movie where this girl's like trapped in a basement trying to save her dad. Oh, and uh, Sam Raimi also is doing a new uh, part two for Don't Breathe, which was fucking wild. Like, is he uh, directing he, or producing that? I uh, might be producing it, but um, the fact involved. that he is still just like, I mean, he's doing like superhero stuff and like, you know, the fact that he's doing like, like people trust him to direct and he's still like, he does a solid job of directing. The fact that he still has his toes fully submerged in blood. Uh, is, <laughs> I give it to him because I'm just such a horror nerd at heart. And yeah. I wish Peter Jackson would fucking get back into it because he, he's yeah. so good at it. <laughs> you know? And he has the money, but uh, the fact that Raimi is still fucking murdering people in movies and fucking sticking with uh, sticking with what he knows. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's Jackson got a horror and you think it's going to be I mean, I guess you could you could argue that the Hobbit stuff have horror elements, but yeah, King oh, Kong yeah. was the last time. I mean, I will say, like, in terms of direction, like, as a director, like, Peter Jackson definitely knows what the fuck he's doing. Maybe more yeah. so than Sam, but yeah. I just think, I think, I think they're both excellent, but I think I like that Sam is still just being a goofball, fucking drag me to hell, like, all that shit. Yeah. Um, just making crazy movies still. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go with Peter Jackson on this one. Uh, I think for the only reason of... So Lord of the Rings and Star Wars shaped my entire childhood. Not Mm -hmm. even necessarily the books. I didn't really read the books until like I was in college. Yeah, me neither. Um, But I spent hours and hours just researching about Lord of the Rings and like going to the library and getting like histories and like I still have like maps of Middle Earth like on my bookshelf you know um and I just would say that Lord of the Rings was an extremely integral part of my childhood while like Sam Raimi I love his movies you know some really amazing horror movies but the his movies did not have anywhere near the effect that Lord of the Rings had on me and then you can spice in there uh, you know, Dead Alive, The Frighteners, um, District Nine. You know, some of, some of these like good, like kind of uh, comedy horror allegory, um, different things. Uh, I even liked The Hobbit. You know, too. Like I thought I was kind yeah, of yeah, they were bad movie. Yeah, yeah. He put uh, his love into all of those movies. It was so clear how passionate he was about yeah, yeah. Tolkien. And I think I think his just general his passion is really uh, evident in a lot of his films. So I just hands down for me just because of Lord of the Rings and because of how right. influential that was to me. I like that we got a divide here, Nick. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, they are very similar. Um, I think that Peter Jackson started out with some very clever and like interesting takes. Dead alive. Yeah, like that is like is, that's probably one of the goriest movies of all time and yeah. the, the gags in that movie are yeah. nuts so let's just you can tell he it. loved he loves movies you know he's he seen his the, quota the for movies like movies from the 50s that, and that movie 60s. counts as like three gore movies at least yeah yeah, yeah it was a movie for for horror lovers you know and then bad taste also, as well he also took the initiative to do like fucking like 80 percent of the effects himself which is insane so yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and he, yeah, and obviously, Lord of the Rings, King Kong, he fumbled the lovely bones 
That was a great book. A really great book. Yes. It was it was yeah, tough. Yeah, it was to direct because the, the book adaptation. was so good. The book was um, it wasn't well received. Um, I like this input. Okay. Um I think I've been going tonight with directors that have range. Um and this isn't for I, tonight. This is and, for I, all and, time they, and they and they both love old you can tell <laughs> these guys grew up in the fifties and sixties watching the stop motion King Kong movies and the claymation and all that stuff. Um I like I think I'm gonna go with Sam Raimi because I think he's more kind of an artist. Okay. Peter yeah. Jackson's old reliable. Yeah, and I'll take that and I'll just kind of say, yeah, Peter Jackson, I'd say, is way more consistent. Sam Raimi has fumbled plenty of times, um, you know, with, I mean, he went almost full on, like, Tim Burton, like, in his second half of his career mode for that, like, Return to Oz thing. I just had, like, no interest. Um, And it seemed very, like, that Tim Burton style that he kind of, like, ended up adopting. When he kind of abandoned his, his old style, you know, with, like, Beetlejuice and, like, Batman Returns and you know, it seems like he got a lot of criticism, which is like, okay, I'm going to, like, make everything lame. Or I don't really know what he did. I mean, he followed his heart. So Tim Burton, uh, well, I think he might be on this list somewhere. But um, I will say, Raimi had dragged me to hell, and then now he's producing Don't Murder. He's, like, getting, he's been, he's had his hands in the blood, like he said. Um, but it doesn't matter what he did does uh, now, because he did Evil Dead, and he did that trilogy. And because of that it's an it's just an automatic like ko the other guy pretty much for me like peter jackson i love dead alive and i and i know like he's i love the lord of the rings movie he got uh, he got me in with fellowship like he got me into fantasy like single-handedly um and i had never like seen the appeal of that before and so i will he gets a lot of credit but it doesn't matter who Ah man, it's tough, but yeah, no, no one can really. It's the same with that RoboCop thing. It's just like there is no world without Evil Dead to me. There's just no mm-hmm. point, you know. It's just like I don't know. Without Ash Williams, without you know, um, that is just that integral to my kind of like I don't know core of just what I love. So yeah. Um, okay, well that's great. Sounds like um, Ramy took that one. Yeah, Wait, so. right? Yep. Three to one. Okay. So boys, okay. I got I got time for one more. Okay. Oh guys, shit. Uh, I actually have to wrap. So. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. So wait, before we go on, tell me what you think of this. I think maybe if you do want to drag this on later, we could leave it here. Yeah, let's I like blue that blue. idea. Let's yeah. blue balls. Yeah. yeah. The winner yeah. is on, uh, and I'm and I'm weaseling into yet another episode. My fourth episode of VH Quest. Sign up for our Patreon that does not exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, great. I love it. All right, folks. This was really great. I'm really happy we had this. I, I, yeah. this Andrew, it's always fun to have you on, and I'm looking forward it's, to it. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I feel, I'm feeling like the fourth, the, the kind of honorary fourth member here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, we always <laughs> just go on for way too long. And uh, I mean, not too long, but hopefully not. But uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been great. And I look glad you guys like the game. I agree. Hell yeah. Yeah, that game is fun as hell. Yeah, we gotta continue it and get the uh get yeah, the grand exactly. the grand and then we, honestly we should start bracketing this and really doing some some mm-hmm. hardcore matches. Yeah. So. Okay. Great. I I'd, yeah. I'd love for this to start something big. Okay. Yeah, let's All think right, guys. About it with the winners and kind of write things down and try to compare Absolutely. those. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, boys. Well, Nick, 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 you can be in charge of that. You're, you're good at organizing things. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody have a great night and uh, look forward to seeing you all again. Later. All right. Later on. Bye. All right, Video Voice. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of VH Quest, where we quest for the best VHS. Our theme music is done by Will Paulson. Our cover art is done by Chris Holsizer. Our technical operator is CJ Williamson. We are brought to you by Seattle's first podcast network, Party Fish Media. You can find us on Instagram at VHQuestPod, or shoot us an email with what you've been questing for at VHQuestPod at gmail.com. And from me, Ben Scott, and my co-hosts, Mike Graves and Nick Dudley, and from all of us here at VHQuest, keep on questing. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliot Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.